0: Welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you visiting with us. We are delighted that you're here with us today, and we have a friendship pad on each one of the rows near the center aisle. It's a black folder. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out and pass it down so that other people can fill it out too, so we can see who was with us today. You can see the announcements about what's going on in the life of the church in our connections that's in the bulletin. At the end of this service, there will be a brief town hall meeting. We are going to make the service a little shorter so that we should be done by about 11.05, we think, uh, in this service. You can time us and see. So we hope that you can stay for that 15-minute town hall meeting to uh, catch you up on where we are in our transition process in the church. Lent begins this Wednesday. We have an Ash Wednesday service at 7 o'clock. It is a wonderful way to begin these these 40 days of walking with Jesus toward the cross. We also have during Lent this year some Lenten small groups. They are going to be studying the book Traveling Light, which is a commentary on Galatians by Eugene Peterson. If you'd be interested in being in one of those groups, two of them are still open, most of them are full, but the Tuesday night group and the Wednesday morning group the Wednesday morning group is just women those both still have room in them and you can sign up out in Tank Hall and also pick up a copy of Traveling Light the publisher has given us permission to reprint it and that is out there in Tank Hall for you. Daylight Savings Time begins next Sunday so and unfortunately this is the spring forward this is the hard one so uh, second service will be really full of all of those people that thought they were coming to first service And you'll be here when we're leaving, if you don't watch out. (laughs) The Third Friday group invites you to join them this Friday. They are going to be listening to an uh, award-winning appellate attorney, MC, I'm gonna say her name wrong, Sun Sun Gaila, -Gaila, who is uh, probably gonna be one of those people that makes history, and you could meet her now before she makes history, and then you'll say, say, I knew her back when. Uh, She's going to be talking about making a difference in the world. She has done that for women and girls around the world, as well as in the United States, as a human rights attorney. That's going to be at the Third Friday group this coming Friday. It's also a potluck. You can sign up in Tank Hall for that. The women's retreat is two weeks from this weekend. We still have room on Saturday for people, not for the whole weekend, but just Saturday, and you can sign up online or in our office if you'd like to be part of that. It's a great way to get a taste of the retreat. If you've never been to a retreat before, it's a good step into the world of going to a women's retreat. And we are going to begin a home visitation ministry. We invite you to be part of that, to be somebody who would go and visit someone who is homebound or perhaps ill and unable to make it to church. There will be a meeting, as you can see in here, on March 17th. Leah Lynn from our office will be leading that. She's helping us to organize it. We probably have about 25 people right now that are homebound that we would like to be able to visit. And the flowers this morning are from one of those couples, Jack and Sally McLeod, celebrating their 65th anniversary. So we congratulate them. And maybe if you sign up for that ministry, you'll be the, people, the person who gets to go visit the ones who just had their 65th anniversary. Let's pray. Who is like you, O Lord? Everywhere we look, the world around us speaks of the greatness of your power and the depth of your wisdom. It is your hand that carved out the seas, that raised up the mountains, that set the sun in place, that robed this earth with a thin garment of air, making it a haven of beauty and life. So create in us such a sense of wonder and delight in all your gifts that we might receive them with gratitude as we come to worship you today through Christ our Lord. Amen. Will you join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find on the front of your bulletin? The Lord is King. Let the peoples tremble. God has set his glory above the heavens. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great. The Lord is exalted over all the peoples. Holy is the Lord. The Lord established justice and righteousness. Exalt the Lord our God. The Lord our God is holy. Who is like our God? Great and awesome is he. So let us stand and praise God together.
1: Worship the king. open our ears
0: so we pray responsively. God of Transfiguration, help us to see all the ways that you meet us in the ordinary, as well as in the extraordinary moments of life. We seek you in the valleys and on the mountaintops, yet we admit that our eyes are often blind to your presence, our ears often deaf to your voice preoccupied with ourselves. We fail to see your work in the world. We speak when we should listen. We act when we should reflect. Empower us to live in your light and to walk in your ways. And so we bring you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of God as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and transformed. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's a rock.
2: notice the anthem is clear, that we are built upon the solid walk of who Jesus is in the proclamation of Christ, so that we might become living sacrifices. There's a movement. This is Transfigur- Transfiguration Sunday. Now that doesn't mean if you come to church, you will become transfigured like Jesus, That only happened at one time in history with three disciples. But it does mean that there's a pattern that the gospel wants us to understand, that our experiences of the glory of God should lead us into the courage and the predisposition to be human sacrifices to go into lives that are willing to suffer for other people and to help them experience God. And so we look at Luke chapter 9, which considers the high moment and the downward movement after the Mount of Transfiguration. Now hear the gospel according to Luke. Now about eight days after these sayings that Jesus made, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. Well, he was saying, this a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him and he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation. Very encouraging words to the disciples. How much longer must I put up with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, now... We do hear the word that is from the rock, our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to not only hear, but to put into practice that other people might experience your greatness and your glory. Through Jesus Christ, amen. As I often do, I was looking through the news articles on the internet, on my cell phone, and I noticed in the news the sale of Jane Withers' estate in Bel Air. Anybody here remember Jane Withers? Child movie star. It triggered a memory for me from the second grade at Chatsworth Elementary School. I had a crush on a cute brunette by the name of Wendy Moss, whom I later discovered was the daughter of Jane Withers. I didn't have the courage to tell her how I felt. It was second grade. (laughs) But I did go to the store one day and bought a huge bag of these candy hearts, it was Valentine's. And I was going to try to figure out a way that I could give her this bag of hearts. It wasn't sophisticated. It was just a bag of hearts. That's the best I could muster. So just as she was getting on the bus, I ran up very quickly and handed her the bag, plopped it in her uh, hands, and she got on the bus and I waved goodbye. We'd exchanged no words She just went off with the candy. I wanted to say I really like you, but I didn't have the guts. I never saw her again. I did not know why, but in my research discovered that her family, in fact, during that period of time, was going through a very difficult time. Her mother had married an abusive man, and they were divorcing, and they had to move to a different place. That moment was probably the first moment I can recall that gave me the courage to do something that I usually wimp out on. It wasn't about the fact that I was madly and passionately interested in this little girl, but it had to do with the fact that God used that moment to teach me to have the guts to do something I should do. During the most glorious moments, when we have some of the most positive feelings, whether it be on Valentine's Day or whether it be on Transfiguration Sunday or some other moment in our lives, when something about the goodness of God is revealed to us. God seems to use those moments to prepare us for the tougher times later on in life when we've got to mobilize some of the tools to get us through harder times. I'll bet you can remember the moments in your lives when it seemed like you were at the highest possible place, success was everywhere you turned, and you wanted to stay there for the rest of your life, but it only lasted a brief moment, and you wondered what that was all about, and I can almost predict that you learned something about taking the next courageous step in your life during those really good times. See, I believe that the power of the Spirit is to help us in those great and grand moments, those transfiguration moments, those God-present moments, to give us the stuff to be living sacrifices for Christ. It is to prepare us to suffer in the way that Jesus suffered For it was from the mountaintop that Jesus, before that experience, told the disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem to suffer and die. And after that experience, he repeated it a second time, and a little bit later, he repeated it a third time. In the midst of the glorious moment, Jesus repeatedly says, remember this, because I'm going to go suffer and die, and you're coming with me. The disciples could not comprehend it at that moment. Just like we cannot comprehend it when we're in one of our fair, positive moments that life is going to get tougher and harder. And yet that's what God is preparing us to experience and endure. Up on that mountain with Peter, James, and John, Jesus faced changed it says not that he was transfigured but Luke says that his face was altered and the word alter literally means it turned into a different kind of being for the disciples it was a close encounter of the third kind and it was not only intriguing it was awe-inspiring And then on top of that, two dead people show up to talk to Jesus, Moses and Elijah. That's got to be a little unnerving. Jesus' face is changed and Moses and Elijah are there talking with Jesus. And you know what they're talking about? They're talking about how Jesus is coming up to a time when he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And they're talking about it on the mountaintop. Well, that's a real downer. Why would you take the time to talk about pain when you're having a glorious moment? Well, maybe in gospel patterns, that's the best time to talk about pain. When you see a glimpse of eternity and the overwhelming power of God and how God is greater than all of death and God is in charge of bringing people back to life, and it's in that context you face the hardest stuff. As you've heard me say, I think you need to remember those God moments in your life where God showed up in a powerful way because chances are that's going to give you some of the fuel you'll need to go through the really tough times that are coming up. You see, Moses and Elijah had similar experiences. Moses was invited by God to go up to a mountain and to receive a profound sense of God's presence. He took Joshua with him, like Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And on that mountain, he met God face to face in a cloud. But you remember what happens when Moses goes back down the mountain with the tablets of the Ten Commandments? The people have gone crazy. And they've made a golden calf. And Moses is so shocked and dumbfounded and angry, he throws the stone tablets on the ground and crushes them. Right out of the mountain, all hell breaks loose. I think that is a way God works. God takes you up there and helps you to experience a marvelous moment, and then all hell breaks loose. Does, don't our hearts want to turn to God and say, God, let, let us alone, let us be on this mountain with you, let us stay here. This is a much safer, more comfortable, more happy place. Peter, James, and John. Let's make three shrines and stay here, Lord. But that's not what God does. God leads us down the mountain. Now Jesus had taken the time to empower all the apostles and the disciples to be able to cast out demons and to heal people. That's how the first part of chapter 9 begins. So the disciples and the apostles have already learned how to cast out demons, and they've been successful at it. So what went wrong that they couldn't cast out this demon from this boy because Jesus had already taught them how to do it? And then Jesus, on top of that, when he recognizes they failed, calls them a perverse Generation, how long do I have to put up with you people? That's a really tough moment for disciples. When you think you're doing the right thing and you're working hard to do it and you fail miserably and God says to you, you idiot. (laughs) Well, wait a minute, God doesn't say that. Well, maybe God does say that. Maybe Jesus does say that. Maybe Jesus is simply recognizing the truth that we didn't get enough pattern of life disciplined because we're so preoccupied with the good times on the mountain that we forgot what real life is about. God speaks at two high moments in the gospel, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He speaks at the time that Jesus is baptized. You are my son whom I loved. With you I am very pleased. And then he speaks to the disciples on the mountain. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When God speaks, it's really a powerful moment. And yet the disciples, when they go down the mountain, fall apart. They literally lose their focus. Jesus is trying to help them to prepare to face evil, and evil overcomes them. A foretaste of heaven is not so that we can get stuck there and try to keep tasting heaven the rest of our life. A foretaste of heaven is so that we can experience God so that when we have the hard moments ahead we don't lose hope, we don't lose faith and we don't lose the discipline to do the service that God's called us to do. And you know it's how hard that is. When you're passionately in love with somebody and you pile the candy hearts on them as they get on the bus and you are ready to sail into heaven because of all the good feelings you have and what God is trying to say how are you going to deal with it when you no longer have those feelings and those thoughts and you're feeling that high those are the moments when you need to turn to your friends and you need to help cast out their demons and relieve their pain. And we fail to do that, don't we? Here's the good news. No matter how many times the disciples failed, Jesus restored them. No matter how many times he got frustrated with them and their lack of focus and their sense of distortion for what life was really about, he called them back and reclaim them to keep doing the right thing. God never lets us go. And that mountaintop experience gives us just a little glimpse of how strong God wants to hold on to us. You See, Moses never got to the promised land, but Moses did make it to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. That's a pretty powerful moment. God never gives up on anybody, even when we fail. The pathway of discipleship is the way up the mountain of an encounter with God. To be able to then follow Jesus down the mountain all the way to the cross, the pain and the suffering, the grief and the loss, the distortion and the confusion and the mistakes and the failures. Because God's going to bring us back. So remember, on this day of transfiguration and the days that you remember as transforming moments in your life, you are being prepared, even with your failures and your losses, to be able to do the ministry of Jesus for others later on in life. It is in the context of prayer that glory happens, but it's usually in those glorious moments that we sense a call that will take us into hard places to do important things. A couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to meet with a middle-aged woman who told me a story. She said that she specializes her life in helping children who have learning disabilities to be able to track back to the moment when they begin to fail educationally and she literally recreates those moments with new positive energy and insight and experience so they can rebuild their learning processes and succeed in life. And I said, where did you get this call? And she said, I was in an automobile accident and I'm sure I was dying because I was in that black tunnel on the way to the light. And I heard the voice of God say to me, I'm sending you back so that you can minister to the children. And that's what I've done the rest of my life. The high moments count but they count so that we have a call to serve in the toughest places, the hardest moments, so that people might see Jesus when life is most confused and complex. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we want to be your church and we want to have those experiences of the glory of your presence. Help us To hear the call to go to the hard places and following you to the cross, that we might serve other humanity, that they might experience and see Jesus, in whose name we pray.
3: Please stand as we affirm our faith together from the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Amen. You may be seated. Holy
0: God, we thank you for the times in our lives when we are awestruck by the glory of your presence, when we're very aware of your love and your care. We rejoice in what we can see and we marvel at what we can't see. So we hold before you today our neediness and the needs of the many in this world who need your powerful intervention. We pray for the powerful of our world whose decisions have great influence. Give them wisdom and give them courage to resist any temptation to abuse their power. We pray for the small and weak of the world. For children, for those who fight cancer, those who fight AIDS, for the aging and the frail, for those who live in fear of violence and abuse, for those who are affected by the rains and the flooding, Lord, hear the names of these for whom we pray as we speak them aloud before you. And if today we might be the means by which you answer the prayers of another, give us courage to be your hands and feet and your loving arms in the midst of their need. And so we pray together for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Take my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments. take my voice and let
3: Let us pray father we look to you to bless these offerings that we would continue to share the good news encourage your people to grow in faith hope and love and to empower your church to make a difference in this world we ask this in the name of jesus christ our lord amen
2: we encourage you to be able to stay for the town meeting which will be about 15 minutes long but if you're unable to then receive this blessing go in the grace mercy and love of jesus remembering those special times when god came close to you so that you might in the hardest times come close to the people who need love and healing go in the grace mercy and love of christ please be seated
0: these gifts with great thanksgiving asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this community and in this world. And so we look with expectant hope to the day of your great glory and wait with eager breath to join with all creation in your praise.
2: Amen. If you need to leave, then you're welcome to do so. We are going to have a short town meeting to talk about the updates of our transition in the process of looking for a pastor. So if you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you that you might shine on others in the darkest times. The rest of us can be seated. The ushers are passing out a one-page document that is an excerpt from our annual report, which is an outline of the process that we will follow for our transition and the preparation and search for a new pastor. And we are into it, and we want to give you a couple of updates about how it's going, as well as give you opportunities to ask questions not only about this, but anything else that is on your heart or your mind. Lord, be with us in our meeting together. Amen. So we are at number one, the preparation of a congregational mission study, which is in three parts. A demographic analysis of our congregation and surrounding areas. A clarification of who we are as a congregation. The um, survey you just completed as a congregation and a prayerful and careful thinking about who god is calling us to become that is the third item and third part of this current study that we will undertake in about a month so i've asked both kathy and steve to give updates on the teams that they're leading on the first two items kathy
0: My team is the demographic team, Mm. so we are looking at information about who is the community around us. We have heard a presentation from Mike Regal, who is the head of Mission Insight, which is an organization that does demographics for religious organizations and for school districts. It was an enormous amount of information. We did a seven-mile radius around here, looked at lifestyles and different people here, and then we also did a 20-minute drive wasn't exactly a radius, it was more of a polygon kind of a thing um, about ho- who were those people. Almost exactly the same, which was very surprising. Um, we did of course discover that uh, in contrast to the rest of the state, we tend to be higher, had a, have a higher education and have more wealth than many places in the state. The, the part of the demographics that I really connect with is that in addition to the numbers, they talk about different lifestyles uh, within the area. And they give these lifestyles names. For instance, one of the lifestyles which is one of the most prevalent in our area is the silver sophisticates. Maybe you're one of the silver sophisticates or the up and coming families. They, They talk about what it is in general that people in that lifestyle want about church want about their lives, the things they value, the things that are important to them so that we can look at that kind of information and not merely guess about our community but put that together with it. Um, somebody challenged me after the service and said, but does it po- point out that we are also a community that has more artists than anything else, anybody else around? It doesn't have that kind of information so because of that we will take the big bulk of information." try to sort it down to a smaller bulk, which we have Troy Medley and Virginia Grogan helping us to do. And then we were gonna put with it the stuff we know about the community, like that we tend to have more artists than other places around, and so we value the arts.
3: Now we'll hear from Steve about the second team. Thank you, Gareth. So back in November, there were eight members of our session as well as members from our staff, other LPC members that wanted to be part of the mission study number two, and I think we had a good representation of our church on that team. Uh, During the month of November, we met with a representative from the Los Ranchos Presbytery, and that is Tom Kramer. He worked us through the Presbyterian-endorsed Holy Cow. Now you know a lot about Holy Cow, don't you? and so we voted on using that survey tool. During December, we met to discuss how to best promote that survey tool, so you'll notice we sent out uh, an actual letter in the mail. You don't get those too often. We sent out a number of emails as well as words from the uh, pulpit from Sunday morning to encourage you to take the survey. Holy cow, hope that we could get at least 200 people to take the survey, we had 267, is that right? Which is great. And a week ago Saturday, a representative from Holy Cal met with us for four hours to work us through those survey results. It is a lot of information to digest and to process. So that was just a week ago. Uh, uh, Tuesday night at session, we continued the discussion about what this might mean for us as a church, where we could go from here. And what we have decided to do is make the survey available to you this morning so you can take the results home with you. We made over 100 copies. They're in the Tankersley Hall. So take one before you make your way home. If you have any questions for us as pastors, session, or staff, please let us know. And you can also email myself or Leah, and we'll try to answer those questions the best that we have. So we are just starting to process that information. So, do you have
2: questions about the first two uh, parts of the process? Do you have comments about them? Yes, way in the back. Speak up loudly.
0: Uh, there, there are to choose from. There are uh, probably the entire array of those lifestyles uh, for the whole study. There are probably twenty-five of them uh, within our area of either the seven mile radius or the 20 minute drive, there are about five that are prominent and I can't remember the names of the others uh, because we're still in the midst of analyzing all that. We're gonna be probably ready to bring our report to session at their April session meeting. So we're kind of pretty much at the front end of this. So Laurie, I don't have them all written down.
2: There are a lot more than two. Other questions or comments? Yes, one more in the back. Well, um, you have access to the raw results uh, in the uh, Tangersley Hall today. The more processed results will go through the session, and they will make, be made known to you once the session has a chance to sort them through a bit. But we want to give you the raw results in case you wanted to sort through them yourself. But the, the, the more carefully processed results will come through the session back to you. Good question. Yes, another one in the back. Seems like the back's getting it. Well, let me say about how we interpret the, the raw data. It is difficult to move it from raw data to something that's pragmatically usable for a mission study. And we are just beginning that process of trying to make sense out of it. If you, in your look at the raw data, have observations about some implications for our church, do not hesitate to send an email to one of us pastors and make a contribution because that is one of the most difficult points of interpretation how to take the raw data and make sense out of it for our particular church and we're just getting at that yes good question yes Yes, the mission study will lead to a church information form as you look at the list here. And that will list the kinds of characteristics we're looking for in our next pastor. So that's one more document after the mission study is done. That will be the pastor nominating committee saying, we've looked at our mission study and now we're going to tell you what kind of a pastor we're looking for. So that's down the road a bit. I can say this, that I came from the Dallas church here, and the Dallas church was trying to make sense out of its downtown arena where a lot of um, upwardly mobile middle-aged people are moving in that are multiracial, multicultural. And they finally said, well, what kind of a pastor do we need to to be a church in a multiracial, multicultural downtown environment? And they ended up hiring an Ethiopian African-American man who's married to an Anglo woman with two mixed racial children to be their pastor because they felt like he would be a good uh, presence to build bridges in downtown Dallas for the future. They took the study seriously that they discovered. Good questions. Other questions? Yes, over here. Yes, where did Kathy get her demographic information? She conjured it up. I
0: just made it up. <laughs> I just kind of looked out there and went, you know. Um, Mike Regal, who is a part of our congregation, is the head of an organization called Mission Insight, and they do this sort of demographic study for uh, religious organizations and <coughs> school districts, and Los Ranchos Presbytery funds that, uh, Mike's organization doing that any church in our presbytery so they have done this for thousands and thousands of either churches or uh, other religious organizations or school districts they are top-notch
2: first class great question next any other questions regarding the current status of our mission study All right, now we have an opportunity to bring up any items you would like to ask questions about in relationship to the church, things that you would like to know that you feel like you haven't had access to knowledge. Christy, are you here? Where's Christy? There she is. Christy has an item she'd like to bring up. Can we get Christy a microphone? Where did, where did the microphone go? Ah, there it is. We're going to get you a microphone, Christy. Christy is our treasurer, so she has um, some information about finance.
4: Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, when we had our annual meeting a few weeks ago, um, Gus and Pastor Gareth did a great job of explaining our budget and what we were doing. And we had one question that came from the congregation. They wanted to know what our average pledge was and they kind of bounced that one out to me. I couldn't remember for sure. We kind of fumbled it, and um, we actually didn't give you the right answer. So for those of you that remember those statistics and can remember them, I just want to correct what we, what we said before. So that our, actually, our average pledge is about $5,400. Um, our median pledge is $3,600, and the most common one is $1,200. So still what I said before is true, that there's a very big gap between the highest pledge and the lowest pledge, and so that, that, the, that's how you, you can see the, um, the differences in those three statistics.
2: Thank you. So are there other questions, just in general, about the church, things you're concerned about that you'd like to raise? Yes. Yes. My experience is the process will take 12 to 24 months from the time we start the mission study. Um, If you were to talk about a typical measurement, uh, if a pastor has been in a church for a period of time and retires or leaves that church, there's usually what I call interim uh, time that uh, is typically predicted. Jerry was here for 46 years and In interim time projected that would probably be a five year transition. But I'm telling you it isn't going to take that long. Um, it's going to probably be one to two years. Starting, when? Starting at the, the, the beginning of the year. That's a good question. Other questions? As I said here, this, this is sequential. The pastor nominating committee election will happen number three after the mission study is done and the session has approved the study and the presbytery has approved the study. My guess is that's another two to three months. That's just a guess. Yes.
4: Were Christie's figures that she just gave us, was that per month or
2: per year? Per year.
4: Per year. Oh my gosh.
2: If we had an average giving of fifty four hundred dollars a month, I can tell you that our budget would not be around two million, it would be more like six million. So it it maybe be a prophetic question on your part. (laughs) Other questions? Tom, thank you for being the microphone deliverer. You're welcome. Yes, in the back.
4: How many more of these sessions, like we're having this morning, might we have in this process in the next two years?
2: I would like to do about one a month. To make sure that you are up to date. Not long meetings, but short meetings. To give you updated information and allow you to ask questions. My experience is, if we go into a silent process for all this time, the congregation gets very nervous. And we want to relieve the anxiety. So please ask your questions and make your comments. We don't want any surprises. All right, are we done for today? Yes, one more, right behind you, Tom. I have a different question. Uh, My question is, how can we pray for you? Um, I have had several tests, and um, as you know, I've been struggling a bit with my uh, gastrointestinal uh, uh, stuff. And uh, so far, all the tests have turned out negative. They can't find anything wrong with me. And so that's good news. And my question is to the doctors, then why am I in so much pain? And they say, we don't have a clue. So um, the last doctor said it could be uh, pancreatitis, which is hard to find uh, because it shows up and disappears. And so I'm about ready to go through another set of uh, discoveries to see if I have what they call occasional pancreatitis but that's just a guess at this point they say that i am disgustingly healthy and it's all in my head (laughs) god help me so pray that i find out how to best live so that i don't have this occasional pain thank you all right let us stand and we will close in prayer and so may the lord be gracious and kind to you as you go out in the midst of difficult places to support and heal and assist others to live in the best possible way that god intends for them go in the grace mercy and peace of our lord jesus christ amen